Movie Geeks, it is week 12 of the Summer Camp and Other Movie Tour. I'm here with Susie and Brad from the cinema, guys. Susie is not the cinema, no. No, this is a friend of mine who is joining us. Did I just get a promotion? (laughs) (laughs) But welcome the two of you for uh, reviewing this film with me. How is everyone doing? I, I'm good. Thank you for for having me on for this. I'm excited. Definitely. Susie, how's it going? It is going. The temperature is finally reasonable in Seattle, so I'm, I'm a happy camper and ready to talk about this movie. Very good. Well, we are to close to the end of August now. Uh, we have one more week to go. This is the final girls that we are doing today, and... Yeah, I'm really surprised that I have not reviewed this movie until now, but I guess it makes sense to put it on this list. And I'm here with two other fans of the film. So if you were looking for maybe a different perspective on this movie between the three of us, you're not getting it. (laughs) We all love this film. This is a celebration rather than a review. We're just going to talk so much good stuff about it. But first, I just want to ask the two of you your thoughts on sort of the meta films in any genre what what is your thoughts on on that do you think that can get stagnant maybe to one note or is there all sorts of possibilities that could still bring to the table what's your thought on that Susie you first I mean I I personally like that format you know I actually when I was watching this uh the second second time of a second rewatch because I enjoyed it so much. I started watching it again before we were talking about this. Uh, I was looking up when Cabin in the Woods came out, actually, because I was kind of having a chicken in the egg moment because I forgot which came first. And it was Cabin in the Woods in 2011. And I I loved that sort of meta take right on the on the horror genre. Uh, But this one I particularly love because it's it's there's comedy done right. And I think that's kind of the, the key to it. It's it's a it's very smart comedy with this sort of meta piece. I grew up on the meta horror being the the scream parody movies, and so for me, this is like a breath of fresh air of very smart meta. Well said. How about you, Brad? What's your thought on these meta like plots? Uh, I'm actually quite quite the fan of it. Like I love Cabin in the Woods, uh, another one that's kind of semi meta, but but leans more comedy is like Tucker and Dale versus evil. I mean, scream scream is one of those first ones that came out that was meta on the horror genre. So, and I love the scream franchise. So, you know, give me more of this. And, and to be fair, I did not see this movie until just this past year. Oh, Oh, really? Interesting. Now, Brad, what made you finally watch it? I mean, have you not heard of it or you just finally gave in? I had heard of it, but it was just one of those things that I never saw it anywhere streaming or anything like that. So I, I, it just was never in the front of my mind. And last year, you know, being stuck inside and a lot of time on our hands, I, you know, I was, I watched a lot. So (laughs) I finally got around to it. Brad, you're making me think about something just super quick while we're talking about this. I'm wondering if I can remember what the marketing campaign was around this film, because I vaguely remember this being one of those where it was like a surprise at how it ended up being. And so I also wonder if it like flew under the radar for people because they might have marketed it in a way 
that it wasn't appealing to the correct viewers that would actually find it so great, right? Yeah, and I don't remember this being marketed at all. Like, I, I don't remember anything for it. Yeah, I followed um, as many websites as I could back in 2000. I think this movie count 13 and oh, 15, excuse me, 2015. And it, like I tried to read about anything horror on the news as much as I could. And given sort of the the cast of this film, you know, Taisa Fermija, like just, you know, off of, you know, American Horror Story and then Maylene Ackerman. Adam Devine, like I, I'm well known of these guys, and and j- again, just the meta idea of having that knowledge of horror films. See, that's the other thing too. It's like with this movie specifically, but most meta films give the viewers an opportunity. Like if you know your shit and you're just aware of how a movie works, you know this is a nod to you. This is a nod to your fandom, your geekdom, and we're like giving that back and saying we understand the tropes. And we're just going to acknowledge them. We're not that <laughs> ignorant that we are doing the same sort of like plot devices and things like, and we're just going to have fun. And I love that type of stuff. Uh, you know, my cherry was popped with Wes Craven's new nightmare. Like I, I had yeah. never heard of anything like this being done. And, and what people even believe is it. like, no, you died eight, you know, 10 years ago. You should not be in this. Movie. <laughs> and I just was freaking out because the audience allowed for this type of stuff to happen. And it's just like, you're telling me Freddy's not real in that world. Freddy's not real. Like that's bullshit, you know, but no, everybody loved, I loved it. And I would always look out for stuff like this. So I, I enjoy a lot of these type of plots. And so for anyone who doesn't know what final girls is, it's a PG 13, which I'm surprised. I wish it was rated R, but we will move on. So do I. (laughs) <laughs> it's an hour and 31 minute run time. It's a comedy drama. I love that. And a fantasy mm-hmm. originally uh, released in October 9th. Uh, this was directed by Todd Straw Scholson, and it was written by M.A. Fortin and Joshua John Miller. Now, the plot is a young woman grieving the loss of her mother, a famous screen queen from the 1980s. She finds herself pulled into the world of her mom's most famous movie. Reunited, the woman must fight off the film's maniacal killer. Camp Bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films. Max's mom plays Nancy, this shy girl next door. Nice legs. What time they open? It's cool you get to remember your mom this way. At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death even if she is being chased by a psycho. (laughs) Guys, somebody's coming. Hey, do you guys know the way to Camp Bluefinch? Tina. So we're in the movie. (sighs) Oh, hi. What's your name? Get some strawberries? Nope, but I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. Ew, the writing is so bad. What is that noise? It's Billy. He's coming. Everyone who has sex in this movie dies. It's awesome. No sex. <laughs> Run! Wait, wait, wait. Selfie time. Okay. Two. How do we get out of here? Movies like this end when the final girl kills the bad guy and the credits roll. I know in the movie you're supposed to die, but that doesn't mean you have to, right? What do we do now? We fight. 
Now, Todd uh, Strauss-Scholson uh, did quote and say, it's Pleasantville in a trashy horror movie from the 80s with a little Back to the Future thrown in there and a spoonful of Terms of Endearment with a dash of Scream and two dollops of Purple Rose of Cairo for good measure. <laughs> it's quite the mixture. Yes. I was going to say, when, when was that? When was that quote? Because, you know, on my on this rewatch, you know what? It, it screamed to me a little bit was, are we having a WandaVision moment? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yes. exactly. Oh, man. When it like, gl- gl- um, gl- you know, glazed over the whole scene with. Yes, definitely. I got because, that you know, it's, it's sort of like that her grief moment where I was kind of that was Rob, what I was telling you, I'm trying to keep all these thoughts in my head. That was that first thing that I was thinking is that I liked this one a lot. I loved uh, Dale and Tucker versus evil. And so, Brad, I already just thank you because that's a reminder. I need to go rewatch that masterpiece. It's so good. It's so so good. good. But this, I love that kind of like terms of endearment quote, because this movie did, it had so much heart. Like I'm so invested in the characters, but I'm also just laughing hysterically then as it pivots to Adam, you know, divine making some ridiculous joke. It's, it's well, (laughs) it's well plotted in that way. (laughs) Right. Right. I, I'm so grateful that a movie like this was created because just kind of like Cabin in the Woods too, the plot within the plot about this, you know, inbred family and in this movie, just some mass killer slashing people, it could technically be one of the most boring films ever, but because it's turned over its head, it takes something so simple and makes it very complex. And then you just throw in the drama with Final Girls and it's I just think it's really good. But I wanted to ask you about the Camp Bloodbath movie for a second. Aside from Final Girls, do you guys think that this movie would have been good? Just from what you saw, the characters that are in the movie, would this be a successful film? What year did it come out? <laughs> that, that, that's the question because you know they're they're making fun of you know the Friday the Thirteenth and and all those slashers that came out in the early eighties. I mean, yeah, through the Dreaded 80s. Sundown is in this a little yep. bit too. Yeah, yeah, totally. And any any fan of those franchise, like you can just pick little things out of this. Going, oh yes, there's a trope. There's a trope. There's and and they play it up, which. Like Tina. Tina is my favorite character in the whole in the whole movie. I love her so much. <laughs> I do too. In fact, there's she's got such great comedic timing. There's yes. A, there, there's this. You know when they're kind of in their montage mode of they're getting they're gearing up and everybody's cracking their knuckles and she's still got her mittens on and she's just like and there's she's just <laughs> looking at them and she's so disappointed and it's it's like a, a just a few second moment but i feel like the the film does such a good job of making every single little moment of screen time just they eat up the the screen it's great uh tina's amazing <laughs> yes yeah she she is awesome after she eats her you know quote tic tacs and she's just like giggling and she's and then she gets all sad when 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 she thinks that you know she's what is it her her boobs aren't it's because my boobs aren't big enough <laughs> yes <laughs> It's kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting too, is that I, it's funny because you actually start to really like these one note characters. It, yes. it, it, it does this, yeah, it does this great double motion of all of a sudden giving them dimension and elevating their plot lines as well, which I think was a really cool, cool moment as it's, as it started to diverge where 
they started to become their own actual sentient people. <laughs> so we can give a shout out to her right now since she's on this topic. It's Angela Trimber. And I, yeah, I thought that Tina was amazing. So uh, just to give you all a heads up, this movie will have some spoilers. So if you haven't seen it and would like to be pleasantly surprised before hearing about us definitely uh watch the film before tuning into this review but uh i just want to talk about her dance scene for a second like you know all of that was improv right like they just told yeah. her go and she just did whatever her heart desired <laughs> and i you know i could tell just watching her that this had to have been improv because I, I don't know anybody who would choreograph something exactly to that point but I just thought she did amazing and it also kind of reminds me of the whole Captain of the Woods thing when she was asked to do a dance and all well not asked to do a dance but she kind of you know did one it's just like in her role to do it so I just thought that was so good but her just being frantic and and yeah I just love all all about Tina so she's great <laughs> Before they, you know, get sucked into the movie, I guess we'll say, and we'll talk about that a little later. So uh, Max is grieving her mom's death. You know, she's an actress. She's out getting a job and she doesn't really, you know, land the role. And then they have their moments in the in the car before, you know, the big accident and whatnot. And then they go to this anniversary screening of her death. Would you guys be able to do this? Like, I yeah I I no no it was not surprising at all. that she agreed to do this, and and on the anniversary it's just it just feels wrong. I, I felt it, there was a moment I felt like her her friends. I all I can think of is the Verizon guy, uh, <laughs> Thomas Middleditch. Right. Like I'm like you're just kind of a prick, man. Just like her mom died, and you're wanting her to come to the screening. That's you know her mom's in it like really come on man <laughs> i know i was they tried to do this thing where they you know they quickly try to set up the pieces right so it's like yeah. oh she's not doing well in school that's what he's gonna do to dangle that in front of her but you're right it doesn't it doesn't quite match up then i think to myself it is kind of interesting that now i'm just like totally going down the wandavision sort of mm -hmm. track <laughs> a little bit which is is that it is interesting how thomas middleton's character is sort of not he's like the stepbrother he's sort of removed and he just sort of shows up and they have this this dialogue and you start to think a little bit of you know how much how much of this leading up to it you know what is happening behind the scenes here I told you know I was telling Rob I feel like it's kind of like a story of grief but what's at play right what's what is pushing them to get sucked into the movie of course it's also could just not be that deep it's just they're just yeah. sucked into a movie <laughs> Well, his character was played up to be the, um, what's his name from scream? The yeah. Randy. Yeah. Randy. Randy from scream. You know, he's, he's like the horror guy that knows everything about everything. And, and even when they're in it, he, he knows how the movie's supposed to play out, but then, right. you know, he, he gets stuck at the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, I, I really love that sort of twist because you don't know exactly what kind of meta movie you're getting, right? And as I was watching this, I didn't have lots of memory of when I watched it before. And, you know, his theory was, you know, everything's going to happen the same 
we're here, but we're, we, we're not going to affect what's going on. Everything is right. going to go as planned. And so when you get that moment where he's just behind him and he's just standing there, you know, the killer, and it's like, what are you going to do? And they kind of held onto this for a long time. When is he going to mm -hmm. make that jump that you guys are also embedded into this and you can change stuff? Like that was a very intense, but I think a very smart, um, scene to put in there because they're making up the rules as they go along we don't know you know what they're doing so i thought that was great i also feel i i've also i've also watched the movie four times like total in my you know since since i saw it the first time and i still kind of will be like wait a minute i can't remember exactly what happens it's the movie yeah. does a really good job like I, I i always get a little bit confused too about them sliding into the flashback because I had always thought it, it's almost like I, I kind of made my own version. I had a Mandela effect about it where I'm like, they, they go to the flashback to try to stop the kid from being bullied. Yes, and like, would that remove the killer? And I literally go through this every time I watch it where it's like, uh, does Thomas Middleditch's character get killed by this guy right now? What exactly happens here again? And it's, it's because I think it does a good job of subverting your expectations multiple times throughout the film. And so it makes for, I think, a really good rewatch because it does kind of keep you on your toes throughout. Well, yeah, and it, it, it sets up some rules, but doesn't set up some rules. So every time you watch it, you're like, OK, I, I think I know the rules. But then you're like, wait, maybe I don't know what their rules they set up really are. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk about some of these rules that I that stood out for me that kind of really sold me on this movie because you know, we have this idea of how these horror movies are going to go. And when we think we can like guess and be predictable and know who the killer is, all that good stuff. And then they just throw stuff in there. Uh, one of the things that I really liked was the fact that this movie was 92 minutes long. And so was club or club camp bloodbath. Yes. So the runtime of the movie was the same as ours. I thought that was great. Also the time loop of it all, because I didn't expect that van to roll back around again. And I was like, how do they get to camp? I don't remember. And then they did it again. And they waited 92 minutes to test the theory. Like that's how long <laughs> they've been in this film. And I just think that is so smart. I love that stuff. Uh, so amazing. And then they decide to finally just embed themselves into the, um, into the film. One thing that I read about, I don't know if this is something you guys picked up on. If you did, you guys are very intuitive. When Duncan says that um, uh, Tina and I forget Adam Devine's name in this movie. Let's Kurt. see. Kurt. Kurt yeah. Thank you. So when they tell Kurt and Tina that they are movie characters and, you know, they're from the outside and they're they're that they tell the movie characters that they're from the outside world. They, you know, hitch a ride in the camp. The order that they get into the van is the order that they die in with Max mm. and her love interest last as she's concentrating on her mom and he's never even seen the film. Therefore they don't count in a way to sort of signify that they will be the last one standing. Hmm. I didn't notice that I, before. I did not pick up on that. So I, I'm I, not, I'm I, not yeah. smart like that. <laughs> well, I also, I mean, I also thought it was funny though, too, that they introduced the Paula final girl and, her scenes are so short and then they just blow her up. <laughs> <laughs> now I have seen that in one other film called feast. 
it was that uh, green oh, light, yes. that green light series um, where those two guys won that contest, and they had um, dude from Firefly come in and be this he- epic hero, and then he went out and just like some Jackson, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that, and I think that is um, the that final girl and Adam Divine. I think they're t- still together to this they day. Are. They met on this. They film. are. And oh. yeah, no, and they got together. So they did that um, wedding date movie together too. Oh, I guess with I Zac Efron, Chloe Ridges was I. I was in that, but okay, yeah, I see it now. I'm looking. At, <laughs> I'm looking at Chloe Bridges. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and also, I was going to say Brad also needs to know that I'm most likely going to have to have a little bit of a Nina Dobrev moment moment because <laughs> oh yes we'll we'll try and contain you Susie I'll, I'll I'll give you a little snap when I see you going too far okay no well let's let's talk about Nina so Nina Devra plays sort of this mean girl not necessarily a bully but she's sort of like the bitch of the group mm-hmm. right yeah and I, another I, you know you have all your cli- horror cliched characters set yes. up for the whole movie definitely now she she's very obvious she's complete opposite to our final girl we need sort of that that is is juxtaposition the right ter- word to yeah, use a, for this or a foil probably in summer as well maybe not a foil but she does sort of yeah she's sort of the other side right of yeah yeah and and they're going after sort of well not they're going after but they sort of have this little small triangle set up as she's digging the guy that's into max i really enjoyed nina in this movie a lot and i think most of it is due to the type of character that was given to her i like how she was written because she was given a redemption story yeah and you don't see many bitches getting redemptions and i find her to be very mature she Mm -hmm. she knew exactly when it was her time and she was cool with it she was a bitch but she was also kind of like honest and sincere in a way i don't know there was just something about her and i think nina gave her that perfect sort of like i want you to hate me for 10 minutes and then love me for the rest of the film (laughs) i just think she did a really good job doing that and i i gotta praise her on her so yes Susie, go right ahead what are your thoughts on (laughs) miss nina on nina well so i i mean i agree with you completely rob and i i also what I what I liked about it is that it kind of did this thing where yeah it's easy to have women in these films be that's the bitch and what I liked mm-hmm. though was that it it dug a little bit deeper to say like hey this is why I was acting this way because that's you know and so it was it was a very nice moment but I also thought she brought a lot of hilarity to it and she it's funny because uh, I liked her in Vampire Diaries she plays actually like three different versions of her character on the show and so she's pretty good at moving between, but this, I thought this was a really good casting of it where, I mean, I laughed out loud at a couple of the things that she was saying or doing. So I I thought she, I thought she nailed it for sure. Oh, I I agree. I, I I, like Rob, I I like that she was the bitch, but they kind of gave her a redemption and they gave her a good reason why she was the way she was. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just, you know, I'm a bitch because I'm a bitch. And (laughs) it's also, it's also really nice too that it wasn't just about the boy, you know, like those yeah. two used to be friends and and I felt that that moment was more important than just like I'll let you have the guy, he's more into you. Like it wasn't even about that. It was like I like you, like you were my friend and I just thought that was great. But 
her sacrifice again that really like the minute she did then she was like just go i was like oh i love you today you're oh you're killing it right now <laughs> and i love that about her um so yeah the the flashback stuff i thought was a great great touch because if they're gonna do one how, like th i think this would be the best way to do it is that the known people who know they're in the movie are transported back but i'm actually very surprised they didn't use this opportunity to try and um prevent the future events from happening but i guess it wasn't that type of movie right because like you were saying earlier susie this movie is about grief and the drama side of it is is this is an opportunity to get closure as opposed to rewrite history, you know, right. except the fact that people die and, and mm -hmm. that you kind of have to move on and let go and not try and change history literally and figuratively. So I, I've let go of the opportunity to explore that side of things because that wasn't what this movie was about, you know? Yeah. It's funny because I do sometimes look for deeper meaning where sometimes there doesn't there isn't or doesn't necessarily need to be, but it's fun. That's why we talk about movies like this, but it, it does kind of take you by surprise how much heart this movie has. It does a really good job with callbacks too. So when, um, when Max has her first like heart to heart with Nancy in the movie, she, Nancy says, you must think I'm a total zero. And that's what she said to her in the car when she came, you know, when she was not paying the bills and, and that, like very nuanced callback that gets Max to focus on her. I was, you know, I, I was like, God, this movie is much deeper than I than it <laughs> than it deserves to be in some ways. And I and I love that. And then it pivots to Adam Devine. I love Chris and Kurt, where Chris is trying to get him to not sleep with people. And when he <laughs> He's like, he's like, what is the gay thing he says? He's like, gay men, they just uh, have sex all day and make a lot of money. It actually sounds pretty cool. Um, <laughs> is that what he says? <laughs> yeah, I just, he was just like, I have two gay moms. What are you, what does that mean? What are you talking about? I was just like, oh my God, I forgot about that. That's so forward of them. And he was like, I'll kick your fucking ass if you keep talking about her. Like, oh, so good. It was so I love funny. it. Oh, divine. And I, I would like to know how much of his dialogue does he just like improvise off the cuff? Because there, there is a lot of it that it, it seems like this, this was a completely improvised that yeah, he just went, bloopers, he went for it. Yeah. The bloopers definitely show you some of the yeah. cuts. Oh yeah. But I mean, I would love, I mean, I think, Hey, if anybody is listening uh, Brad, Susie, and Rob would really like all of the cuts of your takes so we can just watch like hours of <laughs> right. Adam Devine just because he is, I mean, listen, Adam Devine, he's good in, in doses, right? I mean, he can, There, there's a limit to my consumption of his characters, but I actually think he's perfectly used in this, like just the right amount before he gets a little grading, to be honest. <laughs> No, I hear you. I, I I did enjoy Adam Devine in this too, and and from the bloopers, I'm sure they allowed them so much just access to just kind of say whatever they want. I mean, they must have had a good budget wasting some of that film because yeah, those were a lot of outtakes that they showed, but some of that stuff was also really good too. And and of course, they filmed stuff that didn't make it into the film, and they did some changes to what was going to happen. Actually. I remember reading something. Okay, tell me if you guys heard this. So in the original script, 
uh, the kids, when they went into the movie, they actually were supposed to change their physical appearance and sort of a transformation mm. into the said tropes that they were going to play. So like the girls' um, waistlines would get smaller with their boobs being a little bit bigger. And then uh, Gertie, she was obviously going to be more physically appealing. And to that point, she had more of an upper hand in this world than the real world. And so in this movie, she actually was going to try and sabotage everyone from succeeding so she can stay. Oh, so that they were really going to change them into the 80s tropes yes. of characters and then kind of go, you know, like the the new Jumanji movies where they become something else that exactly so yeah at that point she didn't want to leave what do you guys think about that possibility i mean it radically changes the film because the fish oh, out yeah. of yeah the fish out of water is, is a element of it i actually think works super well like i you know speaking of um i'm not going to pronounce her name correctly alia shawcott uh yeah at yeah yeah gertie um of course, all I see is Dory from Search Party the entire movie as I'm looking at her. But um, it's so crazy to see her in this after watching that show. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, but like the Gertie Blake attraction, like that little thing is is cute and it it works well because he's sort of looking at her outfit and I I just love the way that the film takes that fish out of water. Like the iPhone thing is funny too, and yeah. just all those pieces. And so I mean, it would just be a radically different film. I think it would have taken away from the heart of the movie if you did something like that, because this was a movie about her dealing with this grief of her mom and actually getting that closure in her life to, like, tell her mom goodbye and like, OK, I'm going to close the book. I'm going to mourn and move on. And I yeah. think that having her sabotage something and, and do that would have completely taken all of that away from from the film. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Uh, the The whole idea of everyone paired up with a counselor to prevent them from having sex for 90 minutes, I thought was a brilliant plan. <laughs> you know, just a good start to get everybody, you know, doing stuff. I just thought that was a brilliant plan. Uh, but then, like, when they would actually be able to see the words on the actual screen I thought was brilliant because I didn't think mm -hmm. they were going to do that. I mean, that's going way far. But then it's the littlest stuff when, um, what is her mom's name? Oh, I wish I could remember names. Sorry. When Nancy and um, Kurt are in the bedroom, Max and Chris separately, they hear that doom you know, music and yeah. they're like, oh, oh, yes, they're about to go do it because we can yep. hear the song. That means he's coming. <laughs> He's, he's I coming. love that stuff. I love that stuff so much because some movies don't do that. Some do. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking about like Last Action Hero and stuff like that. Like, I would love to be able to hear music and just determine like, okay, something's about to go down. What is going to, you know, and I just love the hell they're able to hear that. But then also it's the idea that Nancy has this ability that apparently nobody else can do, which is take us back into flashback because she had yes. to be the one to actually say it. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really nice twist. I thought that was great. Cause it was her, it was her character that tells the stories that. <laughs> so good. I love it. And, and I love the, I love the perspective that you, you both are bringing around that, that idea of how different the movie would be all these different paths. Right. So like 
you know, if it was about going back and changing it so that the whole plot of the movie would be different, or that's a totally different story, right? And and then it would make sense that when they were going in the back in there, they would try to intervene and keep having, you know, trying that. Or the thing you described, Rob, is if it, if the focus was more on the tropes, it's it's like the tropes are helping tell this other story. Although I still then kind of don't understand the setup at the end. Because then I was sort of like, did she not finish her grieving? <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's left open-ended. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. Uh, the the slow motion stuff I thought was brilliant, too, because Nancy goes, what's happening? And I go, what is happening? And then I forgot it's about like, that. oh, they're actually aware of going in slow motion. I thought that was great. Slow motion. Uh, <laughs> That was another moment where I forgot what was going to happen, even though I've seen the damn thing three times. I was like, wait, what is, yep, okay, they're going in slow motion. <laughs> that original slow motion sequence was three, more than three minutes long, and they cut it down. Like, they were going to do that gag for three minutes at least. <laughs> I, I feel like, I don't know if this movie came out too early or maybe it just wasn't marketed right like i feel this movie should have been more successful than what what it was like i don't feel people have heard of it or you know seen it i i i mean i agree 100 that's I, i've been saying that to to anybody that'll listen because i'm trying to send it to people like hey i'm you know i'm going to talk to my friend about this have you seen this nobody's seen this movie in my life but rob <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I saw it immediately. The moment it came out, I rented it and I was like I'm going to watch this movie and I just I just found it amazing. Just just from the callbacks of like old 80s movies, but just the idea of a movie within a movie. Who doesn't want to live out something like that and and just take all your knowledge and try and survive. Like I just think that's such a really good idea. Like I I feel with, you know, Happy Death Day and Freaky. Like if you tell people like check out the final girls like if you love these two movies you're gonna really enjoy this yeah that's exactly. a great yeah you're exactly right and it, it's almost like this film had to walk so those ones could go run because if they're yeah. that kind of thing is really popular you know right now so it yeah is. that's a that's a good call out so then I just wonder if it was maybe bad timing maybe this movie would have done more of a service coming out today versus before because another thing that yeah. happy death day and freaky had done really really well was incorporate drama in in yeah. the movie there were sentimental moments there were moments of vulnerability and sensitivity and I, I you know especially with happy death day i mean the whole sequel was based on the drama part of the horror film uh, of losing her mom and so i think people are more um, acceptable of that kind of stuff so maybe the movie because i i guess i don't know if people gravitated towards the mother-daughter angle maybe people could have classified it as a chick flick i mean that's just an obvious observation but i don't know who knows maybe people just didn't find it funny i i, I don't know i i i i i'm lost for words to be honest because <laughs> I, I do I mean, it, I think it. it came down to the marketing and i don't know who it was that that put out the movie. So I don't know if it was really marketed or pushed out there. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering. And, and some of the folks that are in this are much hotter 
in the market now than they were in 2015, right? So, I mean, Thomas Middlich in particular has really taken off uh, quite a bit. And so he's playing a a definite kind of dated role for him. It's kind of interesting (laughs) to watch it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And it was funny, Rob, when you were talking about your like this 80s movie, I just had this like quick flash of Kurt saying, oh, their hair is so flat and sad. (laughs) Isn't that what he says when they come in with the non-80s hair? Yeah, no, that was great. (laughs) Now, on a technical term, uh, there were quite a few things that stood out to me. I know it was fake because at first I was like, wow, they've got a really great photographer and, and cameraman out there to film such those beautiful, like, um, Oh, horizons and, you know, sunsets that they were doing. But I know that was done digitally, but it just looked great, especially when like Nancy walks out with her final like dance or whatever, calling the killer. Just all of that just looks so beautiful to me. But I was like, damn, did they actually capture that for real or was that digital? But I think it was digital. But in particular, when um, they devised the plan to, you know, Scooby-Doo the killer, And the plan, you know, just didn't work. But that whole entire sequence leading to, you know, Blake dying and all of these, you know, stuff happening in a domino effect, all of that was in one shot. Did you guys notice that? Just the way that the camera not only was in one shot, but just kind of twirled a little bit and just circled around. It was done beautifully. I don't know if you guys caught that. It's actually, I, once again, I'm, I'm, I get a little bit over the top about these movies. I'm like, it is like Scorsese, but no, I'm, I'm going to say, but, it, but no, I, I have to say it's, it's shot beautifully. Like, and, and I, I love that scene. Cause you're exactly right. It keeps doing this angle so that you're sort of in it. It makes it so that you're, you, I felt like I was in that room, the way that the camera was sort of spinning around and showing you what was going on. And then, I mean, the, the Nancy walk, to Betty Davis eyes is my favorite scene. Like I, I rewound it and was like, I'm going to watch that one more time, but it's also beautifully shot and paired. I, yeah, I, I noticed and I thought it was very cool. Now, do you think this movie going back to, you know, how it wasn't big or people haven't heard of it now when I did read when Sony, Sony took it over, they wanted it to be a PG 13. And I know PG 13 horror sometimes can get a bad rap. Do you think that kind of hurt it? You know, you would think that PG-13 leaves it open for more people to rent it or go see it at the theater because it doesn't involve an adult going. And sometimes horror movies want to go to PG-13 so they can allow more audience. But yeah, I I think maybe it was the lack... Because I'm trying to remember, there was a really uh, a heavy lack of blood in this. There wasn't that too much more. I would say the biggest thing was Kurt and the way that he died, the way that he flew out of the car and his legs bent back (laughs) off Final Destination. I, You know, like that was disgusting. But other than that, they kind of kept it pretty tame with the blood and gore. Yeah, a lot lot of cutaway, a lot of just like off camera. and Yeah. I think it worked well, actually. I think the absence of it, kind of helped a little bit and and those 80s slasher movies aren't always there are a lot of those kind of weird cuts of you, you might see the knife doing this but you don't always i mean it was sort of like there sometimes you get those ones that are more like that but now you've got me thinking brad because cabin in the woods 
got a lot of attention for being sort of this knowing it's like Whedon, but it's R rated and yeah. it's, you know, it's written in this sort of way. And like Dylan Tucker now I keep thinking about is like, just, there's just like it's blood disgusting. splurting everywhere. Blood all over everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. I so I mean, something. I think you're onto something, Brad. I think that, that people might've said, Hmm, I bet this is going to be like, they look at it. They see Nina Dobrev who's known for vampire diaries and they're, and they're like, it's PG 13. And maybe they just did not uh, that. I think yeah. that could be the crux of it. They're like, oh, we're we're about to watch a CW film. I'm, exactly. I'm good. Exactly. I'm good. Well, um, yeah, I I will definitely put in the production notes. There's a there's a couple of um, YouTube links that I'll put in. One being they show exactly how that camera was rigged on a crane and and turned over on itself, and just watching that whole scene being played out. It's really cool seeing it behind the scenes but also i'll have to see if i can find some other links like maybe an interview or so to just be like what ha like what happened you know the way they filmed them getting trapped in that loop is kind of cool too the way that the camera spans out in that kind of um like almost overly kind of way that it does that is I, and it's kind of funny because you do have this moment where you're like how many times are they gonna come run around this thing again <laughs> it's that was done fairly well <laughs> so uh also the idea of the final girl in general you know just you know the one who lives to tell the story but she gets this like jolt of like superpowers if you will when she finally believes in herself and thinks she's strong enough to either want to live or you know courageous enough to take out the killer but in this movie they actually gave it like a physicality to it like this woman just turned into the dream master the minute her mom dies <laughs> she's the last girl standing and all of a sudden bam confidence bam i'm ready to take this bitch you mess with the wrong fucking version you know like she was ready and like the way she was fighting everything just kicked oh. in when she did that thing where she kind of like jumps fully back up, I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> She's going to kick so much ass. <laughs> yes. And at this point, it, it hadn't really reached that level of meta or I should say silliness, but I still found it to be exactly what it was supposed to do. Like, I feel that this is the type of movie that would take it very literally She's the one that because I mean, how do you describe just an average girl taking down a killer like that? Just, you know, like maybe we don't notice, but she probably does have superpowers at the end of the day, you know. Um, but I thought that was pretty clever. Well, um, and also the killers in those types of movies, they always get an advantage that's supernatural to a degree, too. And so yeah. it sort of sort of makes sense that they show it they show it that way it was i i think to your point rob i still enjoyed that i thought it, i thought it worked really well to have her get kind of super powered versus try to have it be her actually trying to fight this guy who's clearly not going to be easily killed <laughs> exactly <laughs> i was i was gonna ask if uh would either of you want a, a sequel because you know they kind of left it that way for you with the, you know, quote unquote Halloween two in the hospital, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love that. By the way, yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was definitely gonna uh, ask you guys that the if you guys had theories on how they got into the film, and also yes, with the sequel, I want a sequel. 
I think that they have something there. Do I want them to sort of mimic Halloween too? Like the 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 setting, if it's in a hospital, I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely want more originality. Like you've given us a lot of the callbacks. I've gotten that. Now you can take the film wherever you want. And I, I just want to see exactly how far you guys can go with it. But I definitely wanted a sequel only because of the fact that I was hoping that they would investigate and explore more of this world. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time it's happened? Why hasn't it happened before? Has anybody tried it, et cetera, et cetera? Like, why them? You know, is it sort of a level game? Do they have to make it past three in order to get out? Like, what? I wanted more of that. So, yes, that was my reason for a sequel. I just yeah, like I, the movie and would just love to see more. So <laughs> I'm pretty simple. <laughs> well, and and I, I mean, I was in the same boat. I actually looked it up. I was like, did they ever even think about it? It sounds like, unfortunately, it sounds a lot like there was just isn't demand for it. And so it's, it's time to get Snyderverse on these guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Shulston said that it was really based on seeing the film, spreading the word, convincing, you know, Sony to produce a sequel. And, you know, they definitely wanted to do it. They had an idea for it and it just really depended on the box office performance. And unfortunately it didn't profit the studio. I call this movie the Spaceballs two of horror films because final girls and Spaceballs are the two movies that, We'll never see a sequel that should. I mean, it, this movie was made to have a sequel, a follow-up. They mention it in the film, and it just everybody's waiting for it, but nobody is going to do it. So, tough luck. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think they were they were hoping for it, but yeah. again, did it, did anybody hear of of this movie? I mean, That's it came out twenty fifteen. It's only you know six years ago, and. I didn't hear of it then. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the problem is I kind of, I mean, I get it. It's, you know, I get why. So, you know, they're not going to put more money into it, unfortunately, but boy, was it perfectly set up for that. And, and to your point, Brad, I didn't even necessarily need it to be like deep universe building as much as just, that was fun. Let's do that one more time. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but it does make you wonder though, to leave it on that sort of, cliffhanger without a sequel you are sort of like oh they're just stuck in there forever because your mom died in a car accident it's terrible for them (laughs) there were a lot of clues i mean so the ending actually had two different endings there was more of a somber one where it was just the two of them that survived and they like made it out or maybe they didn't but they were the only ones to kind of make it to the sequel and then they i don't know if it was a test audience or whatnot but they changed it and added the other three and allowed them to kind of come back and go through the sequel and i some of the footage that you get is actually a mixture of the two endings so that's not just like one shot or whatnot uh but the other thing is is that they weren't dead but all of their injuries were still intact yeah which i thought was weird because i mean some of their deaths didn't make sense for them to live through but yet you know duncan shows his scars 
mm-hmm. and they're still there. So it's not like, did time reset for them? Like why? Yeah. So those little things kind of confused me a little bit, but then, um, then you saw at the very end with the bloopers, you saw that Kurt was actually there and, and his whole body was in a full body cast because of how right. he died. So That's then it's right. like, did everybody get to come back? And I think everybody just really liked him. So they wanted him to be in there, even if it was just for a cameo in the second film, they wanted his character to kind of make it and, and be a yeah. part of, of the sequel or whatnot. I mean, that's that's the way I interpreted it as well. I mean, I think the only the, the time I just was sort of like, eh, what does that mean when he, when he does show his scar? I was sort of like, okay, well, now this is interesting. But then I remembered too that it's you know it's being meta about these movies, and those movies always would bring like Jamie Lee Curtis and the Hollow. I mean, these people yeah. survive pretty impressive things in these films. <laughs> so I just thought it was kind of maybe it's just like a running gag that none of these folks are like real, real gonna gonna die per se or you're you're never you're never really dead never really dead in the movie so (laughs) so Susie, you said that you had a possible theory as to how they even got in the film in the first place or just the idea of what that all represents what 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 did you think about well so i I, it was sort of this wandavision idea which is that when they're in the theater as as she's sort of watching this like i was kind of thinking to myself did she, is it her presence? Is it, is it, is she a catalyst in some way because of her grief and her being there is what is causing this, which is why I had that sort of like, sort of like Wanda creating her, her little bubble in that way. It's like, did she trap them in there? Um, And she's the one that leads them through with the machete knife, right? Yes. She's the one that actually comes through and they follow her in. So that was just, that's the only theory. It wasn't like this, but just more of, you know, as the fire sort of raging, it's just like it felt like it was all sort of a analogy about her grief and she's dragging these people along with her through it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is all those people in the theater going to die? Like, is that what's happening right now while this movie's taking place? Like, what's happening with the kids? Um, yeah, I kind of got sort of a same vibe. Like, she was, you know, Patricia Arquette, who has that, like, ability to like bring people into her dreams this she has the ability to kind of just escape in a world maybe we're all in her head as opposed to Mm -hmm. in a film but then i also thought very literally like i don't know anybody in history who has gone up to a movie screen and just cut down the middle i bet you maybe if you do it today it'll work and you walk in while the movie's playing and you get to go (laughs) in i mean Honestly, who's tried it? No one. Maybe that's exactly how it's supposed to go down. <laughs> I, I can say I have never tried it. Exactly. See well, there? Now I've, now, I've, now I've got plans for the weekend. I'll report back. <laughs> but how many how many movie screens do you see anymore that kind of have a stage? Yeah. To go to go up on. You got to go to the old school stuff and yeah. and, and go through there. But uh, yeah, I definitely would have loved to have a sequel. Now, given that this all took place on an anniversary of a horror movie, is there any horror movie out there on its anniversary, hands down, no questions asked, you are at the theater to see on the big screen? Is there one that you guys would revisit? Like, go to the theater to see? Yeah. Like, oh, it would be John Carpenter's The Thing. Any time it, it would play on the screen. Gotcha. 
that's a great one. That is, I so not to derail us, but I just have to ask super quick. What did you think of the the remake? Uh, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I li- I like your style. I like the cut of your jib, Brad. <laughs> Now you're talking about the second remake, correct? Well, yeah, the yeah. Most, yeah, yes. the, yeah, Same, the most, yeah, the most recent. That's just yeah. a CGI disaster. Um, <laughs> I'm also like really into like you know I I give lots of props to those very practical effects. That's one thing. That's why mm. I'm such a Nolan fan is because he'll do some real big scale practical stuff that just looks phenomenal. Uh, compared to some of the CGI disaster, you know, Marvel movies that are melting your face with the CGI, which I mean, I still watch it, but uh, yeah. I would say that, you know, this, I, the original Scream is a great one. That would be oh, one yeah. that if there yeah, was yeah. like, yeah, I would do that. Or um, yeah, I love this. The Shining is probably my favorite horror movie. That's a long one to sit through in a the theater. But if they ever did one of those, I would probably go see that with a crowd. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I got the opportunity to see that at the Stanley hotel that it was partially filmed at. And that was an amazing experience. Very nice. Yes. That sounds like it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, uh, I would probably, I mean, I don't think we've reached that part yet with this movie, but you know, if they ever decide to bring it back to theaters, like I I'm going to insidious every chance I get. I love my experience with that movie on the big screen. I just think it's a masterpiece for something like that to come out today when it should have come out 20, 30 years ago. Uh, Candyman, again, is another one that I would see yeah. in theaters, hands down, anytime. And I'm praying to God that they somebody does it here in L.A. before the new one comes out because I want a redemption. I need to be able to go to this movie theater and not freak out the way that I did when I was like 12, 13 where I was hyperventilating. I couldn't breathe in the theater. Like it really fucked with my head and I need to go and face my fear and be like, I can watch this in the theater. I can get through this because it traumatized me when I was younger, but um, definitely looking forward to that. Insidious actually is one of those movies that really, that really warmed its way in and scared me. For me, you know, jump scares, I don't love them, but, you know, you, you kind of laugh after they happen and then they're gone. It's that it's, you know, the insidious stuff, you know, it's like sticks with you. And that like the, when the record's playing and the windows yes. are open and there's like the boy in the yard, that's the kind of stuff that you see at night when you're laying in bed and you're like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> now I get to turn the lights back on. <laughs> like those are insidious in the ring. It's like movies like that where it's just like, ugh, it's just hanging on you the scare of it all (laughs) (laughs) so last thing that i wanted to bring up before we sort of wrap up the review uh i had read about a future film that involves danielle harris and director joe dante who did gremlins so they are teaming up to work together on a film called sequel and this Hmm. movie falls into the theme of what we're talking about today which is final girls Uh, This is a quote from um, Danielle Harris. I've directed a film in the past, but now I'm directing a horror film that is the ultimate final girl horror film. It is about final girls who have survived mass murders in a royal area who are going to come together for the ultimate battle. Now, it's not clear that they're using like iconic 
final girls or just the term of a group of girls who survived a mass murdering situation. And they're all coming together. I heard that it might be like a focus group or something like that. And now let's see who is the final of that final girl group. Um, what do you guys think about this concept and the fact that Danielle Harris is involved? So, so it's not like the inexpendables in final girl horror. I, I, I mean, I'd take something like that. If you want to put yeah. like Jamie Lee Curtis and mm-hmm. you know, all, all, all you, the great final girls in it. Have you guys seen that final girls poster? It's floating around to this day. Like I just saw it twice on Instagram. Somebody made a final girl s poster in the same vein as this movie and put all of them on there. All oh, cool! And it, it looks cool. great. It looks great, and and all of the good ones are on there. So one day I, I'd go see that. Yeah, exactly. I'd go see that. <laughs> I wouldn't see it if it was like the hunt, where it's like let's kill them down until we get to the best one. I like oh, yeah, Brad, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like what Brad's suggesting, which is like the ultimate lineup, and then it could be against like the ultimate villains in these movies. Exactly. Let's just, let's just yeah. make that movie. Let's just, yeah. All right. I'm in. <laughs> how much, how much to get the rights to all these characters? Yeah. I'll get working on that. First, first right. I got to get through the slicing of the movie theater. I'm going to do this. I know. <laughs> <sighs> well, what do you guys think overall with this movie? I mean, it, from our discussion, we've clearly recommended it to folks. I, we still think it works today. I'm rewatching it now. I don't think it's lost its touch. Uh, it oh, gets no. better with every watch, I think. Yeah. So given that it didn't really do so well, like who do you think the target audience is? And, and, you know, Brad, you mentioned like, if you're a fan of such and such, um, and, and I think those are great points. Like, could anybody still watch this given a chance or like, what do you guys think? Oh, I I absolutely think they could. I mean, my, my co-host, Justin, he's not a big horror guy. And, you know, I just, I just purchased this movie and he has access to my digital library and it popped up and he's like, I watched it. Why didn't you ever tell me about this movie? It was really good. And I was like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like I would, I don't know what took me so long to, to see it. I just think it was, because I didn't hear about it. Yeah. And, th- and that's the problem. See, that's the thing is it works. It like, it, it works really even, I mean, I gotta be careful here because cabin in the woods is very good, but I think this works even better than that from a general audience standpoint, because I could totally recommend it to the non horror fans. Yeah. At, just from like a comedic perspective. And I know they won't get too grossed out or too frightened by it. Right. And then, but I also think it's actually quite smart for, horror aficionados and it's it, it's just like it's almost like it's slipped out of both of those groups grasps and really it should have it should have all those groups to really to like it i mean when rob said let's do you know let's do this i realized that i had rented it before and then i, I must have rented it again because i've seen it twice before and this time i was like you know what i'm buying this this is a movie that i'll come back to every year yeah. or so and really enjoy I will definitely I will definitely rewatch this movie for sure. Yeah, I think this is a film that I will eventually buy myself. And it it, it sucks because, you know, when I look this up, uh, if you have Fubo and Showtime, it's pretty much subscription. It's pretty much the mm-hmm. only way you're going to watch it for free. And, you know, not to diss Showtime, but, you know, I'm I'm more of a. <laughs> 
HBO maybe stars before Showtime. And I, I don't know anybody who's renting out Showtime right now, but like direct TV right. is another thing. Like it's very like on the other side of the spectrum where a lot of people aren't subscribing to these specific channels. And so I just think accessibility is a really big thing. You know, I I've been hearing a lot lately and I I've heard this twice who watches DVDs anymore. <laughs> I've heard it a couple of times and it sucks because I, I don't think that's true. I think people are still watching Blu-rays and DVD, but then it also comes to an idea of like, yes, there may be like so many other options and choices that you can pick from that are yeah. streaming, but that also comes in with a little bit of laziness. Like I think if you yeah. want to watch a, a film that maybe isn't available, like a lot of people just don't want to put in the work to actually watch it. And, oh, I 100 and they miss agree out on gems on these. So yeah, yeah, I 100 percent agree because I'm. I mean, I'll fall into that. Like I have hundreds and hundreds of discs, but more often than not, I'm like, oh, I know I have that movie, but you know, if it's not on one of my streamers, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch something else. Like I have this. It's, yeah, it, it, you just you get lazy that way because everything's at your fingertips and you expect it. You're like, oh, it's all the way over there, and then I got to put it in, and then I got to do this. I'm like, oh, nah, forget it. When when are we gonna get to that day <laughs> where it's like the record player? He's like, nothing plays good like on a DVD disc, compact disc. I'm like, already. I mean, I'm there a little bit in the sense of I watched the last blockbuster. It got me in all my feels as a geriatric millennial. <sighs> Uh-huh. I, I really want to take a trip to go to that blockbuster. Same. Same. I mean, literally that. that you're I, you're I a little closer that. than I am, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I and that's I was saying to myself, you've got to get down there because you have no excuse, Susie. But I I there was a part at the end of that where she talks about the tangible quality of upholding mm-hmm. that, and you know, one of the things that's coming out of the streaming wars is that you don't really own the things that you think you own digitally that can be taken away from you like that. And I've started, okay, I promise I'm not getting on some weird conspiracy chances, but I just, (laughs) I've I've gotten to come back to appreciating having actual ownership of that. And there's part of me, especially with the kind of where we're at right now, there's a lot going on. Stuff's getting pulled left and right. I lost a bunch of it's always sunny episodes that I think are misguided in some of that. And so I've started to think like maybe things I really love, really love cherish it's worth like investing in a in a physical mm-hmm. collection which i mean you've already got what i've just been i've been the laziest of all you because i just was always like eh, it's on there it's streaming but now you're starting to hear stuff where like hey that thing i bought isn't in my library anymore it's like i don't want to hear that from apple if i purchase something yeah so more more often than not like i still buy physical media but i buy it i put in the digital code i have the disc if i ever needed it but then it's always yeah. just i just access it digitally because it's easy. I, that's a perfect way yeah i have said this to so many people like your flash drive could just crash you could lose everything with a power outage like i like i'm not trying to invest all of that into just on the cloud that i, I just can't mess with that <laughs> i am the conspiracy theorist and it is mine <laughs> i'm pulling all my money out of the bank it's going in my mattress, and I'm having my DVDs on a shelf. You Rob's best believe. Not cloud first. He is cloud nope. never. <laughs> cloud but, never. But yeah, I, I, I will say, just 
get off your ass and search for the film. Just seriously, The Final Girls is really good. And no, it yes, is. To the non-horror folks, you know, I've convinced a couple of non-horror uh, fans to watch films like these because they are done in a comedic way. And blood or no blood, like, because it's funny and making fun of them, they appreciate that kind of stuff. And it's not playing towards a reminder of the horrific world that we live in, you know, stuff like that. So, I look, Final Girls is great. You know, get past who is in the movie if that's your thing. Get past the mother-daughter moments if that's your thing. It's 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 a really well thought out movie on something that could have easily just been very plain and easy to just put on a straight to DVD sort of route. So yeah. And also I will say one plug is hey, I know that sometimes it's not affordable also to be able to rent or buy this, but one thing I do with stuff is Add it to a lot to to the watch lists across all these streaming platforms. It'll come. It'll come to Prime eventually. It'll come to Netflix eventually. Showtime's got its exclusive hooks in it right now. But I've noticed that right. You just watch these movies cycle through these streaming platforms. If you just oh, keep yeah, them on, yeah. on your watch list. So <laughs> that's 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 my last ditch effort, Rob, and try to get people to watch this, you know, any way and, possible. <laughs> and, and watch any of the uh, you know the the digital purchase places. I mean. When I was looking for a rewatch, it wasn't streaming anywhere, but iTunes had it for five bucks. So I was like, oh, all right, I'll buy it. I own it now digitally. And, you know, it was cheap. I love it. (laughs) Well, quotes in the air. I own it. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank the both of you for helping me review this movie. I had a blast talking about it. and And it's always so good to be able to discuss films like this. To where I'm not the only like nerd about something that nobody knows about. I swear I have good taste. And and these two keep reminding me of that. So thank you for joining me on this. Thank you for having me, Rob. And it was awesome getting to talk to you, Brad. And just so you're aware, the thing I'm going to do after we end here is go watch the original thing, the thing, because I'm like, I haven't watched that in a minute. I need to go do that. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Get used to these two. Uh, They are predominant on the Patreon page of Movie Geek and Proud. That is patreon.com slash MGP podcast. We do film franchise Fridays where we review one film at a time of an entire franchise uh, once a month. Uh, $3 to gain access to most of these films. And I believe the three of us will be back soon to do the shining franchise which is the original as well as dr sleep so definitely keep a lookout for that and check out the page as i have over 40 archived reviews dating back all the way to 2017 Uh, so definitely check that out also next week is the wrap of the summer camp and other movie tour i'm doing my last film which is troop beverly hills I'm so excited to talk about this movie, Uh, but we are going to wrap that up with that. And remember, this is a collaboration with another podcast, the Radical Retro Rewind podcast, where Ryan is reviewing the entire franchise one by one of the Friday the 13th films. This week, he is doing the Friday the 13th remake from 2009. So this Friday, definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, I think that is going to do it for this week. Thank you all for listening. And remember, there are no such thing as a guilty pleasure film. You fuck those haters and be proud of your taste 
This is Movie Geek and Proud. Dance, dance away, right when the sun